Welcome to the Forensic Nutritionist Podcast. My name is Fiona Tuck. I'm a nutritional medicine practitioner and a qualified skin therapist for over 25 years. The Forensic Nutritionist Podcast takes an investigative approach into all things nutrition, gut health and skin, using qualified experts to bring you information that you can trust. We are all unique. The information presented herein is not intended to diagnose, to treat or cure disease. Please seek professional medical guidance prior to modifying any diet, exercise or lifestyle program. Let us begin. On the podcast today, I wanted to talk to you about a condition that's gaining more and more attention in the media. And this is something that we call leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability. The reason that it is gaining so much more media attention is that it is thought to be linked to a variety of different conditions in the body, particularly linked to autoimmune conditions and also linked to inflammatory skin conditions. So I thought it would be really interesting to look at what exactly is leaky gut, um, what causes it and what we can do to treat it as well because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Interestingly, leaky gut is still something that is relatively new if you like in the medical profession some medical professionals still don't even actually recognize it as an actual medical condition it is something that many natural health practitioners have recognized for many years now and have been treating it so it is still even a little bit of a a controversial subject in its own right so i wanted to share with you what i know about leaky gut Often I teach about this when looking at treating skin conditions as well. And there is a lot of misinformation as I've already mentioned. So particularly when it comes down to what foods we should avoid and and what actually causes leaky gut. So let's have a look at what exactly leaky gut is. Because it is thought to be a condition in which the lining of the gut, and when I'm talking about the gut, I'm really referencing here the small intestine. And the lining here is thought to become weakened or damaged. And because the lining becomes weakened, this causes um, increased permeability, which allows things like undigested food particles and pathogens to leak, which is where the, the term leaky gut comes from, from the intestines into the bloodstream. So this now means that we've got foreign substances that have entered the bloodstream. These foreign substances aren't expected to be there. And as a result, this can cause an autoimmune response in the body. So this then triggers an inflammatory reaction which can produce a variety of symptoms such as skin complaints, particularly inflammatory skin conditions, things like rashes, rosacea, even eczema flare-ups, even breakouts. We can see things like brain fog, chronic fatigue, Um, food intolerances can be a big one. And I'm not talking about food allergies here. We're talking about food sensitivities, people reacting more to particular foods, joint pain, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, many, many more conditions can be potentially linked to this increased intestinal permeability. 
So when we're looking at leaky gut, it's thought to result in damage to the intestinal villi, and this is due to the chronic inflammation. And this damage can result in decreased nutrient absorption, which is obviously going to further exasperate symptoms of disease or tiredness, for instance. The lining of the intestinal tract has a role to play in um, protection. And so if the lining becomes damaged, then of course we're going to have less protection from external pathogens. So the lining is designed to limit exposure to the body from bacteria and potentially toxic substances that are found in the intestine. If you think of the intestine like a tube, um, and we are going to get potentially um, toxic things entering into that tube, so that gut lining is there. It serves the purpose to protect us as well as to aid in, in nutrient absorption. So this protective mechanism includes the epithelial cells themselves and the cells are just one layer thick and they're really the first line of defense. So if there is an imbalance in gut bacteria and we have got pathogens there, they can produce what we call antimicrobial peptides to keep these pathogens at bay. So if these cells aren't healthy and that may be through due due to um, inflammation and perhaps not even getting the right nutrients, they're not going to be there as the first line of defense working as effectively as they should. So they will be there, obviously, but they're not going to be as healthy and functioning as well as they, they could be. These cells also produce a thin mucous membrane. So we're going to find more mucus down in the colon, but there is a mucous membrane there that acts as protection in the, the small intestine and also these antibodies which are produced by the secretory IgA cells. So the cells produce mucus, they produce secretory IgA and they actually coat and protect the cells. So we want these cells working as effectively as they possibly can. And a little bit later, we'll look at what nutrients are really important for cell health and, and cell integrity. Another form of defense in the gut is also the, the GALT, or what we call the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. And we know that that's also there to protect us. Approximately 70 to 80% of the immune system actually resides in the gut and this gut associated lymphoid tissue is the underlying immune network of the gastrointestinal system and we find this in the mucosa and the submucosa of the GI tract. So the GALT is especially prominent in the oropharynx so if you think the tonsils and in the payers patches so the payers patches sometimes we don't talk about this much when we're, we're talking about the gut but these are lymphoid follicles they're very similar to lymph nodes but they're exposed and they're found in the small intestine particularly in the ileum we've also got the appendix and the appendix you know some some people sort of think the appendix does nothing and it's often quickly whipped out due to appendicitis but it is important it is important and it is part of the gut associated lymphoid tissue 
and it does hold a nice little reserve of bacteria. So, um, you know, maybe the Eastern philosophy of, of not removing body parts, we're very quick to whip them out in the West. I personally think that, um, you know, all of our body parts are there for a, for a good reason. So the appendix does actually have a role to play in protection. So this whole system, the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, is susceptible to the impact of poor nutrient absorption, malabsorption, drugs, medication, and free radical damage. And so is obviously the, the lining of the gut. So we know that if we're not getting the nutrients, if there's a barrage of um, medications and drugs, um, poor nutrition, if we're eating the wrong food, if we're getting sort of free radical damage, then there is going to be an increase in oxidative stress and also in inflammation. And this is what's going to upset the natural defenses of the, um, of the gut. So all of this has an interplay when it comes to actually being involved in this condition that we're, we're talking about, leaky gut. If we think of the gut a little bit like a cheesecloth, so a cheesecloth allows the nutrients through, but it also keeps out the larger or undigested food particles. It's going to keep out pathogenic bacteria, yeast, even parasites. We know the enterocyte cells lining the gut are one of the first places of defense. And we know that it will secrete antimicrobial peptides and trigger inflammatory medias, mediators at the first sign of, of trouble. So we want to keep these cells as healthy as we possibly can. The cells lining the gut, as we've already said, are very, very thin, about one cell layer thick. And they're held together by what we call tight junctions or zonular occludens. So if we think of these tight junctions like gatekeepers, they keep control over our intestinal permeability. And this is when we're talking about leaky gut, we're talking about a weakening of these tight junctions. So it's really important to note that the tight junctions or zonular occludens are dynamic. And what I mean by that is that they do not stay permanently tightly closed, which is you know, what some people think that they do they adapt depending on what needs to pass through. So these epithelial tight junctions are therefore responsible for maintaining the intestinal barrier whilst regulating the permeability of things like ions, nutrients, and water. They are the gatekeeper, they decide what goes through. The information is limited to the regulation of tight junctions, so we're not entirely sure of how they are regulated, but what we do know is that the protein zonulin increases cell permeability. And we know that this protein zonulin is what, the, the higher the zonulin, the more of an increase in cell permeability there is. This becomes interesting because we know that gluten increases zonulin production and this is one of the issues we see with celiac disease. However, studies aren't 
um, conclusive, you know, they're, they're inconclusive and need more evidence as to whether gluten consumption in non-celiacs causes leaky gut. So we know that celiacs must not eat gluten, but, you know, there is a common perception that if somebody has got leaky gut that gluten has caused leaky gut. I really don't think that gluten causes leaky gut and I'm not talking about celiac here, I'm talking about in, in the general population, um, you know, there's a lot of natural practitioners that say gluten is the cause of leaky gut and I believe that to be incorrect. We know that gluten may increase zonulin which will increase gut permeability but it's not necessarily the cause of leaky gut. Saying that, if somebody does have leaky gut and they've got you know, a really um, inflamed gut and increased gut permeability, cutting back on gluten temporarily whilst the gut is going through a healing process may potentially be beneficial, but it doesn't mean to say that they need to um, completely cut gluten out forever. I also think that things like food tolerances, things like a gluten intolerance, with, which is not a allergy, may actually be worsened by the condition of leaky gut. And when we fix up the leaky gut, then the gluten or um, whatever the food intolerance is, if we include that food slowly back into the diet, potentially it should be able to be reintroduced back in. So I don't think we can say gluten causes leaky gut. I think um, you know gluten does get a very bad rap, but I think we've got to look at the bigger picture and, and what is actually causing that inflammation in the gut to start with, because it doesn't make sense to me to just say that it would be, would be gluten, which I do hear some people say. So I just wanted to, to clear that up. So what does cause leaky gut? Well, Leaky gut can be triggered by a variety of different factors. So if we think of things like medications, particularly things such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, also things like long-term or chronic use of antibiotics. If we are taking antibiotics and that can throw out the gut flora, then if we have dysbiosis, then that can cause more inflammation and then potentially that could aggravate leaky gut. We know that a poor diet, a diet that's very rich in processed foods is not going to be beneficial for leaky gut and could actually aggravate that. So these are things that we, we really need to, to look at. Medications, as I've already said, could upset the gut microbiota. Um, even things like steroids potentially that can irritate then the intestinal lining and damage the protective mucus layer. So there's a, a variety of different medications um, because of the knock-on effect to the gut microbiota, which in turn could have an effect on triggering or aggravating leaky gut. And we're really talking more about chronic issues here. Um, you know, one week of antibiotics may temporarily upset the gut. So it's not to say don't take the medication, but really take it if it's absolutely necessary, but don't go pill popping at the, the slightest tiny little headache. Um, do think about what that may be potentially doing to your gut before um, freely popping pills that you may not necessarily need. So when we're, when we're looking at leaky gut or increased gut permeability, um, 
it really starts with an inflammatory response that can lead to intestinal permeability. Now, there are tests available. So if you think that you might have increased intestinal permeability, quite often you can go by your symptoms and we'll be looking at that or what those symptoms may be in just a moment. But you can get tests to show if you do have increased intestinal permeability. And those tests are um, what we call a mannitol and lactulose test. And they work by measuring levels of these two indigestible or undigestible sugars, the mannitol and the lactulose, and they're measured via a urine test. There's some discrepancy amongst medical professionals as to the reliability of these tests, but if you are wanting to get one, then most naturopaths, nutritionists and, and functional medicine GPs offer those tests. So how do you know if you've got leaky gut? Well, you could take a test. You may know just by the symptoms that you have. And some of those possible symptoms of leaky gut include things like gut issues, particularly things such as bloating, and as I mentioned earlier, food intolerances. And I find if we fix up the leaky gut, then those foods providing you don't have a food allergy, those intolerances, do tend to get better, which makes sense because you've um, actually healed or fixed up the increased intestinal permeability. SIBO, something that we have already spoken about on the podcast with the wonderful Angela Sinclair. SIBO is the growth of small intestinal bacteria. Um, this can be good bacteria or bacteria. It basically means too much bacteria in the wrong place. And as a result, um, this can cause inflammation. We can see damage to the lining of the gut and then the mucous membrane of the, the gut can become damaged as well, leading to increased gut permeability. So SIBO and leaky gut can often, not always, but usually go, go hand in hand. Um, another symptom of leaky gut can be brain fog. So foggy thinking, especially after eating, and tiredness, you know, this chronic fatigue that may be due to the malabsorption issue. And we can also see nutritional deficiencies because we're not absorbing those nutrients effectively. Um, we can also see a weakened or more reactive immune system, skin problems, particularly things like skin rashes, um, breakouts, eczema, rosacea is a big one as well. And if I do see people with rosacea, one of the first things we'll look at is the gut. Um, looking at gut issues such as SIBO and leaky gut, quite often they are linked to rosacea, especially you know chronic and, and really um, bad cases of, of rosacea. Food cravings as well. So I'm a big believer in your body often craves what you, what you need. But often we can get food cravings, particularly if we are not getting enough of the right nutrients in the body. Sometimes our body will try and tell us what we need more of. But also if we've got dysbiosis, so if, it, if we've got an imbalance in gut bacteria, those microbes are, are sneaky little things and they can actually even trigger food cravings to make us crave the food to feed the microbes. 
Now that can be tricky because sometimes we can start to crave the junk food and the sugars to feed the bad bacteria. And so just be aware of your food cravings. It might just be a, a mood thing or a comfort thing, but sometimes there could potentially be something else going on. Joint pain, rheumatoid arthritis, they, these can all be linked to leaky gut. And even mood disorders, things like depression, anxiety. And again, we know that this can be linked to um, the gut microbiota and dysbiosis, or even not getting the right food in the diet to feed the microbes um, that can also have an effect on the gut. Autoimmune, sorry, can't get my words out today. Autoimmune conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, as we've mentioned, lupus, celiac disease and Hashimoto's as I mentioned earlier all have a link to the gut and if you are someone that has got one of these conditions I would suggest you know seeing somebody that does specialize in gut issues it is worth getting this checked out because it may help to alleviate symptoms. One thing that I've personally noticed after treating the skin for, gosh, it's coming up for nearly 30 years this year, is that many inflammatory skin conditions do have that connection to the gut. And in my experience, when we treat the gut internally via um, the diet, we see a huge improvement in skin health. And so, as you know, that is something that I, I'm really passionate about. And that was one of the reasons we, we did develop the, the Vitasol product to, to help with that. So when it treat, comes to treating leaky gut, um, different practitioners do have different, sometimes controversial treatment protocols. And you know something to mention here is there is no one-size-fits-all approach there is no black and white cure everybody is different and one person will react to one thing and one person may not so listen to your body do seek professional guidance and really um, work with someone that you feel you can trust and someone that has been referred or recommended to you that has got a history and success in um, treating the condition that you are concerned about but I definitely wouldn't be recommending sort of following food fads following unqualified advice but do follow your gut excuse the pun and and go with what works for you when I'm looking at treating the gut my preference is treat as naturally as possible and first and foremost via the diet so I believe it's all about good nutrition rather than turning to synthetic supplements. So if somebody is loading you up with a pile of supplements to supposedly heal your gut, I would question that because I do think, you know, doing things slowly, looking at the diet, looking at what we can take out of the diet, looking at what we can include in the diet is a really good place to start. And quite often that may be all that you need without having to go down the track of expensive um, supplements, which can often be very overwhelming to take as well. Um, let's have a look now at some of the factors that can influence intestinal permeability. We know that inflammation can cause potentially damage to the gut lining or weaken the gut lining 
and that can influence or increase intestinal permeability. And this inflammation, as we've already spoken about, that can come from things like SIBO, it can come from medications, it can come from eating the wrong foods, um, it can come from a variety of, of different things. So we need to find out what may be triggering that inflammation to start with. And let's not forget stress, because stress will trigger inflammatory mediators. And Stress is linked to so many diseases. Trying to get on top of that stress is so, so important. So simple things like increasing exercise, looking at things like meditation and yoga can be actually really beneficial in reducing stress and actually helping with, with gut issues. So don't think that, you know, Medica uh, med I said medication there, but I actually mean meditation um, may not help. Just gentle breathing exercises, doing something that helps to calm you down um, can be really beneficial. And I know myself starting yoga um, for me was actually quite life-changing and I found that something highly beneficial to deal with stress and particularly anxiety. So if you haven't tried it, give it a go. But again, different things work for the different people. One thing we do know that definitely will influence intestinal permeability in a negative way, sorry to tell you, but it is alcohol. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, alcohol, a couple of glasses of red wine a day is good for you, but I would question that. We know polyphenols can be really beneficial for us, and that's where the, the red wine gets a, a good rap. But alcohol in itself, any form of alcohol, will influence intestinal permeability. So if you are drinking alcohol every day, even if it's just one glass, I would urge you to think about how you could potentially start to reduce that because even one glass a day is too much. That is going to have an effect on gut health. So try and slowly reduce alcohol. That is going to have a big impact on gut health and particularly looking at things such as rosacea. It's one of the, the biggest triggers of rosacea. So if you do suffer with redness of the skin, then um, cutting back the alcohol is a, a good place to start. Processed foods are an interesting one because they do contain things such as emulsifiers, thickeners, texturizers, and these have been linked to affecting the gut microbiota, which can in turn increase inflammation and in turn can affect or increase intestinal permeability. So things like maltodextrin, um, gums, thickeners, texturizers, things like transglutamase, which actually isn't even listed on food labels because it's involved in the processing, it's not added as an additive, are all ingredients that we really want to be minimizing. And I think it's important to realize that processed foods, we're not just talking here about junk food. Even healthy foods have these emulsifiers, thickeners, gums, texturizers, things like um, coconut yogurt and plant milks. I've seen them in protein powders, you know, these health powders that are or supposedly health powders that you get in health food stores. 
pretty much anything in the health food aisle in a supermarket is a processed food. Now, cutting back on the processed food can go a long way into um, really helping with the health of the gut. So it's not about being completely obsessive about these ingredients, but it's about really minimizing your exposure to them and thinking that just because it looks healthy or it says it's a health food, it still is a processed food and it still can have these additives in it, which could actually be um, exacerbating the problem of increased gut permeability. So, so do be aware of that, particularly things like plant milks that have these gums and, and thickeners in them. Do you just have a quick read on your labels and, and see what you are actually taking? It's in a lot of, um, a lot of products so so do take time to to have a read of the labels think about your omega-6 intake as well so the linoleic acid which is in plant oils um, grain-fed meat it's in really most processed foods because most processed foods will have refined plant oils added to them and so if you have a high omega-6 which we know is related to um, the inflammatory pathways within the body. If the intake of omega-6 is high compared to your intake of omega-3, the linoleic acid, which um, we know is your anti-inflammatory um, essential fatty acid, we need to be getting that, that ratio right. So minimizing omega-6 intake, minimizing processed foods is a really good place to start. And then upping your omega-3 intake so something like oily fish for instance is a really good thing um, salmon mackerel tuna anchovies these are all really good sources of omega-3 if you're vegan look at things like chia seeds and walnuts but um, really looking at increasing that in your diet in your diet because we know that the omega-3 not only is good for reducing inflammation within the body but also it's really important for cell integrity so for the actual lining of the gut so omega-3 is a, is a big one um, something that's quite interesting as well there's a lot of people that think coconut oil is a healthy oil I would beg to differ I'm not saying completely avoid coconut oil um, have it now and again in a stir fry but I definitely wouldn't be taking it every day large spoonfuls in a smoothie or downing it in a bulletproof coffee I really don't think that's a healthy way to be going and interestingly the capric and lauric acid in coconut oil has been shown to have an effect on increasing intestinal permeability so if you are a coconut oil freak fan, um, then I would question you on maybe just trying to cut that back and see how you go with your gut health and symptoms there. We do know that gluten, particularly the gliadin in gluten, um, does increase the zonulin production. So again, if you have a very heavy um, gluten-based diet, you know, toast for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch, pasta for dinner, it may be worth just stepping back the gluten, looking at different grains that maybe are gluten-free. Whilst you are going through this sort of gut healing protocol, um, you may find that actually beneficial. But don't think that it's something that you're going to have to forever avoid and that it's the, the devil, because for a lot of people it's not. Um, I think it was getting a, a very bad rap 
but again, listen to your body. Hops in beer. So for those beer drinkers out there, I know we've already said that alcohol is not good for the gut. Um, hops in particular has been shown to influence intestinal permeability. And so therefore, if you are a heavy beer drinker or you like a beer, the combination of the hops and the alcohol really does spell disaster for intestinal permeability or increasing that. So again, that may be something that that you want to hold back off. Now, something that people say often when they're taking, say, turmeric, for instance, is have it with black pepper to enhance the bioavailability and the absorption, and that's most certainly true. But have you ever wondered why that might be? Well, that's because anything from the sort of pepper family, and we're talking about peppers, black pepper, capsicum, chili, these again can all influence or increase intestinal permeability. And so um, if you are you know, having a lot of these foods, then that may be having a negative effect on your gut health if you are suffering from leaky gut. Interestingly as well, you know, a lot of the pharmaceutical drugs contain a substance called piperine and it's the piperine that is the um, penetration enhancer. It's also used in some topical skincare pe preparations and the piperine is there to actually aid the penetration of the pharmaceutical drug, um, again, because it influences the intestinal permeability. So again, bear that in mind. Now, I'm not saying that these foods have to be completely cut out of the diet. What I'm trying to get the message across here is that the tight junctions that hold the cells of the lining of the gut together are dynamic. They change depending on our diet. So if you're having a lot of these foods all together, sure, they may be increasing the gut permeability but it's fine to have them now and again. It's about being aware of what might be altering the gut permeability. And if you are suffering with leaky gut, then reducing these foods may be temporarily beneficial for you, but that's not to say reintroducing them slowly, um, spread out you know, over um, a period of time, you, that will actually be something that you should be able to do. So don't be scared of these foods. It's just about education and knowing what foods do actually affect the integrity of the gut lining. So these are all the foods that will um, increase gut permeability. Let's have a look at the ones then that we know are known to help benefit the intestinal integrity. And one of my favorite things, as you know, um, especially those of you that, that use Vitasol, um, are polyphenols. So polyphenols, things like flavonoids, we find them in fruits and vegetables, particularly the brightly colored fruits and vegetables. Polyphenols have very powerful anti-inflammatory effect. We also know that they're wonderful for our gut, um, even our brain health as well. But these are things that will actually help to strengthen the lining of the gut and including a wide variety of fresh fruits and vegetables is going to do wonders for your gut. The diversity is important because there's many different types of polyphenols so getting that variety of polyphenols in the diet is also important because that is what's going to help to um, 
feed the different microbes in the gut, lower down in the colon, which is also going to help to reduce inflammation. Seaweed is also thought to be beneficial for the gut as well. And we also know that seaweed is really, really rich in minerals and nutrients. And we've also um, already spoken about omega-3. So getting the right fats in the diet is crucial for cell integrity. And whilst I'm talking about fats, um, phosphatidylcholine um, is also very important in cell membrane. In fact, it's present in every cell membrane in the body. And so getting a enough choline in the diet, we know choline is important in neurotransmitters, but particularly for cell health and cell integrity. And we find choline in things such as eggs, whole grains, green leafy veggies and fish. So these are all foods that are going to be beneficial for cell integrity. Interestingly, these are all foods that are going to be beneficial for skin health as well. And we do know there is that link between gut health and skin health. Cruciferous veggies are fantastic too. So think, think things like broccoli, cauliflower, um, and even broccoli sprouts, which you can now get from places like Harris Farm Markets, from some supermarkets. These are really high in a compound called sulforaphane, and it's a sulforaphane compound that is actually beneficial to um, gut health, particularly beneficial to the intestinal integrity as well. So upping up those cruciferous veggies. And if you can get your hands on broccoli sprouts, I highly, highly recommend it. Look out for them in the sprout section in the um, supermarket. They look like alfalfa sprouts if you're, if you're looking out for them. The vitamins and minerals in particular that we know are important for the integrity of the gut. Again, they're also important for cell integrity, for the membrane of the cell. Vitamin A, we know that vitamin A is very, very important. Um, and you can also look at the beta carotene, the precursor for vitamin A. So think um, green leafy vegetables again, orange and, and yellow fruits and vegetables. Vitamin D, so there's a big correlation between gut health and vitamin D. And, you know, we're in winter at the moment in Australia, and I do recommend, you know, do get your vitamin D levels checked. They do tend to drop in winter because it is quite hard to get vitamin D through diet. We do need to be getting sunshine so that we can make vitamin D via the skin. So do get your vitamin D levels checked to make sure that they're not low. Um, and if needed, it may be um, necessary to supplement during winter, but always do that with the advice from a, a qualified medical practitioner or nutritionist or dietitian. We also know zinc is really, really important. So interestingly, zinc we also need for stomach acid produ production. We need it for um, the tight junctions as well. So for the integrity of the lining of the gut, zinc is really important. And getting zinc through the diet, look at things like pumpkin seeds, oysters are a really good source, a little bit of, of red meat. Um, of course, we don't want too much animal produce, um, saturated fats in the diet when we're looking at, at gut health. But again, all things in balance and moderation, but, but getting enough zinc is really important. If you think you may be low in zinc, again, there are tests available to, to 
to test your zinc, zinc levels. Um, some probiotics may be beneficial, but they are specific probiotics that are thought to help to reduce inflammation and therefore help to benefit the intestinal integrity. Um, things like the Lactobacillus ramosus GG, interesting that one's also good for people with skin conditions, particularly things like eczema. Bifo, um, bacteria, the Lactis 420 is also thought to be beneficial for intestinal integrity. Um, so they may help. Um, you could try those, but again, speak to a professional practitioner before making any dietary changes. And something that I, I wanted to discuss as well, because dairy does get a really bad rap. Now, if you are lactose intolerant, so have a dairy allergy, then obviously you will have problems or you shouldn't be having those in, or having dairy products in, in the diet. But the peptides in dairy have actually been shown to have a beneficial effect on the intestinal integrity. And so things like the cassian and the lactoglobulin the dairy peptides are actually beneficial in strengthening the tight junctions and therefore having dairy in the diet can be beneficial particularly things like your fermented dairy because that's going to actually reduce your um, lactose and can be better tolerated for for many people the reason I think some people may actually react to, to dairy as well could be because they do have this increased gut permeability and therefore having something like um, cassian, if that is actually, um, if they've got really bad leaky gut, then that could be temporarily actually aggravating it. But the studies do actually say that the, the dairy peptides are beneficial. So again, different things for different people, um, and it may be just introducing small amounts, but um, that's just something to, to bear in mind. We also know that glutamine, um, which is an amino acid, is beneficial for the integrity of the lining of the gut. And I just wanted to take a moment to talk about glutamine because a lot of practitioners recommend L-glutamine, which is a synthetic, high-dose form of natural glutamine. It is prescribed particularly for people with gut issues, and that's because glutamine is the main or a really good fuel source for the enterocyte cells of the small intestine. And the thing with glutamine, and the reason I don't recommend glutamine supplements is that glutamine in high doses should not be used by people that are either prone to cancer, and let's face it, how do we really know? Um, and particularly, it should never be used by somebody that does have cancer because glutamine is a fuel source for certain tumor cells. 
L-glutamine can also trigger anxiety or um, neuroexcitability in people that are prone to mood disorders. So it can be in some people an issue and that is why I don't recommend it. I personally believe that you know glutamine can be got through the diet. It is an abundant amino acid. You can easily get it through the diet. You can get it through a wide variety of foods, things such as um, green veggies, legumes, chicken, fish, cabbage actually is a really good source of glutamine and even cabbage juice. And again, try it, see how you go. Having it in its natural form with all the bioactives, comes with prebiotics, um, is going to be far more beneficial than taking an isolated high dose supplement. And so that is why I personally don't recommend L-glutamine supplements. Um, and I recommend doing it through the food as naturally as possible. So when it comes to treating leaky, leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability, I would recommend that you do seek professional guidance. But as a general um, recommendation, eating a diet that is low in processed foods, and again, even the healthy foods that are marketed as healthy can still have those food additives that may be problematic for many, many people. Minimizing alcohol, alcohol consumption. You know, keep alcohol consumption if you can, maybe just to the weekend. And that doesn't mean to say go for it at the weekend. Maybe have one or two glasses if you can. But again, all things in moderation. Um, we've got to be happy with what, what we're doing. It can't be um, all doom and gloom. So if you love a glass of wine, then, then have the glass of wine. But just remember what it may be doing to your body and trying to, to cut that back. Increasing the plant-based foods is a really good place to start. Um, looking at getting a variety of different fruits and vegetables in the diet. We sort of say aim for 30 plant-based foods. So that does include things such as whole grains, nuts, seeds, a variety of different colored fruits and vegetables. So we're getting the right amount of prebiotics. We're getting that diversity. We're getting polyphenols, we're getting different fibers that's one of the best things that we can do for our gut health so looking at at least 30 different plant-based foods a week um, is where we want to be and try and get as much variety so try to avoid eating exactly the same foods every day um, that's really going to help with the gut microbe diversity and a healthy gut so medical professionals are still trying to determine what exactly causes leaky gut syndrome. Um, it's still a little bit of a mystery. We're still needing a lot more research into this area. The evidence is still really, really limited as to what causes it, what helps it, um, and what we need to totally avoid. But and we do know that lots of processed food, an unhealthy diet, long-term non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug use, stress and, and chronic inflammation seem to be the key factors that are believed to contribute to increased gut permeability. So please do remember it is important to seek qualified professional help from a recommended and trusted source 
prior to making any dietary changes but please let me know how you found the podcast today and if you have had any improvement in leaky gut I'd be really interested to hear your feedback until next time